Milk Podcast. My name is Dash McIntyre. And my name is Adrian Folk. And today we got a good one. Uh, it just came out that John Bolton's book was sent to some uh, media companies like the New York Times. And uh, some details now are leaking uh, about what's in John Bolton's explosive book about uh, working in the Trump administration and uh, many instances of Trump's uh, impeachable conduct. <laughs> Potential criminal wrongdoing as well. Yeah, alleged, I guess, for now, since Trump <laughs> hasn't been formally prosecuted in a court of law and judged by a jury of his peers or, you know, whatnot. But, uh, so we are looking at some details in an uh, article by the Ross, by Ross Story, kind of just reporting, I guess, what the New York Times has reported. Uh, the first thing that they're mentioning that Bolton says in his book is that Bolton confirms that Trump's infamous Ukraine quid pro quo was explicit. So uh, we pretty much already knew that. The Democrats... Well, this makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense because they literally... I mean, quid pro quo and the illegality of a quid pro quo literally doesn't mean you have to say it was a quid pro quo. It doesn't even mean that it had to have happened. It doesn't you know, mean all of these things. It just has to be presented and offered, right? And the intent right. behind it, right? So it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's it, important to note that criminals very rarely look into a recorder and say, this is quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> and conspiracies to commit crimes are just crimes as it, just like had you done it, right? You can plan to murder someone or like, let's say you plan to rob a bank and kill people. Just because you got caught before it started doesn't mean you're free and not guilty of having planned it, which is still a crime itself. Right. Yeah. So this is good. The The book confirmed that the House testimony that Mr. Bolton was weary all along of the president's actions with regard to Ukraine and that Mr. Trump very explicitly linked the security to Ukraine uh, to the investigations on his political opponent, you know, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. So, um, it, it, here, oh my God. Mr. Bolton writes, says that he, John Bolton, Mr. Pompeo, the Secretary of State and Defense uh, Secretary Mark Esper tried eight to ten times to get Mr. Trump to release the aid to Ukraine, which they were holding up specifically for that quid pro quo. Fascinating, right? Yeah, and this is this is BS because Bolton kind of has. I, I think he said somewhere that he or people said about Bolton that they, they uh, that he literally thought the Senate would call him to come testify, which you know this is literally like the entire impeachment investigation was on this count was mm -hmm. he holding up the aid for a quid pro quo. So maybe when like Mitt Romney was the only person. Or like there were like only three or two senators or whatever who wanted to have uh, witnesses. And then Mitt Romney was the only person to vote for impeachment. Like, why not say something, you know, during the actual impeachment trial or right afterwards when they ended up not calling any witnesses and just gave uh, Trump a pass, you know? Yeah. Like, why not say anything? Uh, Twitter, obviously, right now is all ablaze with people saying, don't buy the book. This is like a moral outrage that Bolton thinks all these things are wrong, but didn't say anything until he's got a book. Um, They're only saying that because it's making their guy look bad. Every politician and political person <laughs> writes their memoirs and wants to make, uh, you know, add an extra $500,000 or more to their retirement fund, right? Probably so the idea that, that's right. yeah, the idea that this is immoral or something is is just ludicrous. This happens all the time, and they're just mad that it's coming out against Trump right before the election. 
Well, I mean, it's a lot of people that don't like that are, you know, that don't like Republicans in general that are saying it, too. Obviously, a lot of people right now are saying, don't buy the book. Don't uh, don't don't monet, don't let it monetize this lack of uh, <laughs> courage. You know, if you're going to write a book, profiles and cowardice, you know, John Bolton might be uh, pretty high up there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand that sentiment that he's somehow trying to profit off his belated, uh, you know, uh, patriotism. <laughs> right. And it's interesting, too, because the actual impeachment investigation, right, like Trump didn't let almost anybody testify. And the only people willing to testify were people kind of on the peripheral of the decision making anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So Trump claimed like executive privilege and, didn't, you know, wouldn't give any documents or conversations or memos or texts. And then, like, very few people testified. And the only people who did testify were the people saying, uh, yeah, something was wrong. I saw some wrongdoing. I felt this was wrong, right? And that was a big thing, you know. Well, you know, like, you know, smearing all the people who did testify. Well, you're not that close to what actually was going on. But that was kind of the point. The people who were close and did know what was going on and did take part in it were refusing to testify and were getting that political immunity from Trump himself. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to be mad about here. (laughs) Yeah, a lot to be furious about. Uh, The second uh, revelation from this raw story recount of the New York Times. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't pay for the New York Times for their, uh, you know, so I don't get to see their articles. So it's funny that the raw story here we're reading it kind of secondhand. But anyway, the second instance is Bolton says that similar incidents occurred with Turkey and China. So more quid pro quo. Um, Trump write, or sorry, Bolton writes in his book, the pattern looked like obstruction of justice as a way of life, which we couldn't accept. Uh, once again, everything Trump does uh, and says is viewed uh, and amplified throughout the lens of like what helps Trump personally in that moment. And, well, it uh, makes me wonder what what could Turkey offer to help Trump win in any type of political. No, remember in America? Turkey helped him with the Kurds and stuff, right? It was blackmailing him, right? Because allegedly Turkey had the rec- you know it took place in their consulate, the Saudi consulate that uh, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. Okay. So Turkey was basically holding that over Trump's head and then Saudi Arabia, you know, maybe sweetened the deal for Trump, some kind of quid pro quo there for Trump to get Turkey not to release the tape. And then, of course, that was kind of like the thinking behind uh, abandoning the Kurds and letting Turkey, you know, bomb the Kurds or whatever. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty Uh, crazy. So that's just a big mess. Uh, You know, Bolton's words that... uh, obstruction of justice was a way of life you know like literally in every instance trump has refused to cooperate you know he says i'm the most transparent president ever like that is just laughable that is so not true trump didn't give any documents you know the democratic house has been investigating any number of things and trump well this is an interesting thing yeah his transparency going to the next one number three trump tried to get china to help him win re-election Bolton writing that the president overtly linked policy to his own political fortunes as he asked Chinese President Xi Jinping to buy American agricultural products from American farmers so that he might win farm states in the upcoming election. Mr. Trump, he writes, was pleading with Xi to ensure that he would win. He stressed the importance of farmers and increased Chinese purchases of things like soybeans and wheat in the electoral outcome. So he's basically begging the president of China to buy 
and like artificially boost up the economy of his own voters so that he yeah. might do better in the election because I mean, right. I mean and, and it's funny because this is a direct result of his uh, trade war. Trump said he was going to have a trade war with China. He then started it. China immediately stopped buying American farmers' products, and then the farmers were hurting. And then, like, you heard all those news stories of saying, oh, the, you know, the farmers saying that, oh, Trump, Trump forgot about us. He's betrayed us. He went back on his word. Like, this is bad for farmers. Farming's going to die in America. So clearly Trump took that to heart and then decided he was going to make it his foreign policy. Not to, not to take down China as an unfair player in the economic you know, world economy, you know, the country that he accused him of stealing all our uh, uh, intellectual property. No, he was going to instead uh, try to beg him to help him win re-election. That's, a, that's an interesting little fact that's come out today. <laughs> yeah. Plus, let's just talk about it in the lens of Republican ideology and conservative politics, right? What is mm. free market about this? Yeah. What is free trade about this? You know, things that Republicans have been all about for decades. But that's like, the thing. It's like it? we talked about th- the other podcast. With the farmers, we talked about like this the, the other podcast and that yeah. the Republican ideology of the elites and the donor class for the last 30 years has gone completely out the window for the, the um, you know, uh, devotion to Donald benefit Trump. For Trump. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. don't even care about that stuff anymore. And if anything, they finally figured out that they were getting ripped off by it. It just took a con man to tell them that, ironically. Yeah, also, you know, when Trump bailed out the farmers, like, I don't think Obama's done anything so blatantly socialist as that. Well, it's ironic again because the Tea Party said, "Why is the federal government bailing out people who don't deserve it? Why are they bailing out people who, you know, this is a free market. If they can't compete, they don't deserve to compete." And they, you know, they claimed Obama was trying to take over the economy, nationalize industries, which made no fucking sense at the time. Yeah, but they threw a where big is because uh, yeah. they threw a big fit because Obama wanted to bail out the automakers in Detroit. You know. The government can't pick winners and losers, you know? We heard that a million times. Yeah, but I mean, so that's funny because, like, not only is Trump picking winners and losers, he's trying to help the losers that lost out because of his initial picking with the trade war. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, this is just like a whole hornet's nest of problems. And again, it's like, you know, that, that's three countries now. I'm sure you can add Israel, right? Like, Israel, like uh, Trump's just blatant unilateral policy of giving israel whatever it wants at the expense well, that's of like, palestine yeah that's a i'm funny sure that like there's some quid pro quo there too our last podcast talking about like the QAnon and the conservative republican like far right conspiracy theorists believing that there's a cabal of like powerful people who are driving you know global events but here's trump trying to create his own cabal to purposely just help him you know, getting other countries' leaders to join his cabal and help him get power or keep power. Like, that's literally, right. isn't that what QAnon is always crying about and, and, and saying there's a conspiracy afoot? I mean, that's just, and, that's just yeah. crazy. And let's talk about the messenger for a moment real quick. Because, like, John Bolton, you know, is kind of infamous for basically cooking intel, right? He was, like, mm-hmm. big into national security and the, and the run-up to the Iraq War with George W. Bush, right? Like, John Bolton himself is not necessarily the most moral uh, person in or terms of like, right, in terms of using using government policy to affect certain changes and using government authority for like, you know, things that maybe do not actually help national security. So it is a little bit ironic that uh, 
John Bolton here is this like white knight savior of morality coming and saying, you know, I said this was wrong. I tried to fight this, you know, now I'm writing a book, writing the wrongs and telling the truth about it. You know, you got to be uh, pretty corrupt for some like hardcore uh, neocon player like John Bolton to say, hey, maybe we're using the government improperly here. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Plus, like, right. you know, it's it's like uh, Bolton writes that Trump was pleading with President Xi to ensure he'd win. Um, just imagine like these humiliating phone calls of the U.S. president begging other countries that are not America to help him win and stay in power. And, you know, yeah. then we can talk about like, um, you know, like. That is like quintessential using your government, you know, usually government uh, officials who get uh, sent to prison or have to resign. It's usually for like some monetary gain or something it, mm -hmm. like Trump here is literally trying to use the entire foreign policy of America with China and our trade war. So like the global economy, he's trying to use this to stay in power. That is like I don't you has there ever has there ever been a case of such blatant uh political like abusing your authority for personal gain well i mean plus and, like there have been other cases the money on the... aspect too because like the trump family like ivanka and trump are getting all of these chinese patents right like china famously doesn't really give a shit about intellectual property or trademarks but here is ivanka and donald getting all these random trademarks uh, yeah. for chinese if, business ventures if you look at history though it's not that uncommon in the republican party because i mean didn't Nixon tell the Viet Cong not to make a deal with Johnson? Didn't um, right. Reagan, you know, break two separate federal laws, taking money, selling arms to Iran so that he could get money to give to the Iranian, uh, the Contras in uh, Latin America? So, I mean, like, this is kind of a common thing in the Republican Party, isn't it? And both of those left led right. to indictments. People got... Uh, fired and went to jail. So yeah, um, say what you will about Iran a Contra, it wasn't to get Reagan reelected. At least they had some kind of like foreign policy goal that they thought they were doing the right thing. You know, yeah. using illegal means to achieve it. But I mean, this is just blatant. Hey, I need to get reelected. Don't like you don't want to have to deal with a Democrat who's going to make China like you. China actually have to like. Uh, uh, respect human rights and you mm -hmm. know Taiwan and all these all these issues um, it, it, this is just this is humiliating and embarrassing for America like this is truly embarrassing to be American yeah. and read this well um, here's another one embarrassing for our uh, president uh, number four Trump reportedly did not know the United Kingdom was a nuclear power with nuclear weapons yeah. <laughs> I mean this is just so simple like if how are you president and responsible for the foreign policy like for example the, the united states government has a policy of non-proliferation right we don't want other countries to be able to get nuclear weapons and we actually would like to get countries to kind of to decrease the amount of nuclear weapons they have that's why we've had uh uh arms limitations deals with you know russia going back to the soviet union uh so i mean it's one thing, and, and like, you know, maybe you could try to make the case that this is like a gotcha question, but like with nuclear weapons, there's such like a, a minuscule uh, amount of error that you can have without, you know, ruining the world. So like the fact that Trump didn't know, I mean, I wish 
Oh, I wish we had in this little fact what date it was, right? When yeah. did he ask about Britain or not know that they were a nuclear power? Right. Had he been president for two years already when he finally yeah. figured this out? <laughs> and, and, and when you look at it in terms of foreign policy, like nuclear proliferation, right, or, or non-proliferation, right, is actually one of the relatively most successful foreign policies America has ever had. There's not that many countries with nukes, right? And a lot yeah. of our post-World War II kind of Cold War era politics was literally promising like hosts of countries, like entire continents even, hey, don't worry about nukes because we won't let anything bad happen to you, right? Like all of Europe, like, you know, does Moldova or Poland or France, or like, uh, sorry, France does have it, but like, there's a whole list of countries that, uh, you know, could have nukes, but we told them, don't bother because we'll protect you. We don't want nukes everywhere, right? Because every country that has nukes, right, you're upping the risk factor that a bad player can get it, people can make dirty bombs, terrorists can intercept and steal one, or the technology can get out. And really, like, fundamentally, like, quite frankly, the technology to make a nuclear weapon is really not that complicated, especially like 70 years following America first doing it, you know? The technology is really not that complicated that a lot of countries can uh, build nukes if they really want to. Like obviously North Korea, right? As backward as they are and with all the sanctions they have of not doing business around the world, right? They still manage to build nukes. Iran is capable of building one, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So really, it's like wildly successful that how many countries have nukes? Is it 11 or 9 or something like that? Like it's barely two digits, you know, of countries well, yeah. that have nukes. A lot of people can kind of name them, right? So like America has them, Russia has them, Britain, France. Um, Israel's most likely got some, although they don't admit it, right? There's there's really yeah. not a lot of countries with okay, nuclear so, yeah, weapons. China's nine. got nuclear weapons. Um, but, so it's nine countries, just to be clear on that. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but so I mean, really like, yeah, so this one's not that big. A, I wouldn't say this one's like the biggest deal in the world. Like, we all know Trump is not that smart, doesn't really know what's going on in the world. So, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Um, but, I mean, it's still funny that he didn't know, right? I guess the only question is, when did this happen? Now, B Bolton came to Trump's presidency kind of late, right? His national security advisor was H.R. McMaster before that. So, I mean, this is like at least a year, right? When did H.R. McMaster uh, basically get fired? Um, so, I mean, Trump had been present for a while when this probably happened, if, if, if John Bolton was in the room to hear it, so. Yeah, uh, and then here's another one in a similar vein. Trump reportedly asked if Finland was part of Russia. <laughs> uh, Little tongue-in-cheek here from the Ross story. It says, the report doesn't say who Trump asked. Hopefully, it wasn't the Finns or the yeah. Russians. <laughs> uh, that's pretty amusing. Uh, once again, Trump's just kind of an idiot and doesn't really know anything. And it would be interesting to watch Trump have to take a high school or a middle school like history test. Or, or a geography, geography test. test. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah, any test, really. Um, and then the next one, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo reportedly dismissed Trump's overtures to North Korea as useless. And we have definitely talked about this a lot on our podcast. America's getting nothing from everything Trump is doing with North Korea, right? Like for, for decades, North Korea has wanted a meeting with the president of the United States and Trump gave it to them for nothing. We got nothing. He came ill-prepared, um, you know, to make a deal. Not, you know, usually uh, when countries do meetings like that leader to leader in a big summit, right? 
in the background for years, they've hashed out all the details, and it's basically the big photo op for the handshake. Like the deal is finished, and now everyone agrees to it, and the deal is cemented, right? But Trump, you know, did, wanted the meeting before any of that, so uh, he did the handshake, the meeting. Trump, or sorry, North Korea is kind of legitimized on the global stage. Well, it's ironic, uh, right? Stage. It's ironic because uh, Republicans accused Obama of being will- saying he was willing to meet with countries like Iran without right. preconditions. And then it's funny because the North Koreans have been wanting a, a summit with the American president for decades. For decades. So Trump literally could have gotten concessions out of North Korea simply for the meeting. And they didn't yeah. even do that. That was like one of the biggest bargaining. I mean, it's just like, I mean, <laughs> everything Trump does is so stupid. Like, it's like when he put the uh, uh, American embassy in Jerusalem, Israel, moving it from Tel Aviv, right? Where all the other diplomatic yeah. buildings are with most countries, right? And so, got I mean, nothing. <laughs> and yeah, and, and did it for free. Like, if you want to help the Palestinian Israel crisis, you could have used that as a bargaining chip to get something. To help right to end some of the the settlements or move people out of some settlements in some of those uh, or let more food and supplies in through the blockade or something. But right, uh, so here's a here's a damning quote from the book too about uh, Trump's meeting with uh, 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 Kim Jong Un. It says uh, during Mr. Trump's 2018 meeting with North Korea's leader, according to the book, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo slipped Mr. Bolton a note disparaging the president, saying he is so full of shit. Which is funny because that's actually kind of what led to uh, the previous Secretary of State getting fired was that it it got let out that um, uh, Rex Tillerson had called uh, Trump, quote, a fucking moron. And uh, Trump didn't like that. And ultimately, Tillerson got fired partially because of that. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. And that's interesting, too, because Mike Pompeo is still Secretary of State. Um, so like what what morals is Mike Pompeo ignoring or squashing in his soul you know well, to probably, continue in on this job well, he's probably like Mike Pence right Mike Pence probably thinks he's a shoe in to run for president in the future Mike Pompeo was yeah, actively right. see- yeah, I mean he was actively seeking a senate seat in Kansas while he's secretary of state some people right. accusing him of uh, you know using uh, uh, federal government funds and airplanes to fly back and forth to talk to people about running for the senate while he was still Secretary of State. Uh, furthermore, some people have noted, and you know, this is uh, definitely anecdotal, but some people have said that uh, Pompeo apparently has some aspirations to run for president for the Republican Party in the future. So that's partially yeah. why he's still there if he thinks Trump's so full of shit. So. And isn't there an instance, too, that he was like abusing his staff to do things, like walk the dog or something? Well, that's gone up like even that. from before he was Secretary of State, I understand, is that uh, people have said that, like, Throughout his time in government, um, um, he's used like uh, staffers and interns for um, inappropriate things, like you said, getting food or doing errands for his wife. Which, right. you know, if that's true, I mean, that says a lot what you think about the government and rules and norms, and you know, like you know whether or not you're doing what you really should be doing as a elected leader, uh, or in this case, a uh, you know secretary of the state, <laughs> right? Which is a you pretty, know, it, pretty, pretty important job. Right, just. What I just noticed is that our last podcast, remember we started with the uh, the bit about all the books coming out and we mentioned Bolton's book. So it is funny that kind of like, right, like I guess after we started, you know, filming that podcast, all of this uh, this stuff comes out about Bolton's book. That's kind of funny. Yeah. And, it's, and uh, continuing on this note too with Pompeo and Bolton, it's kind of funny, right, that Bolton has been such a hardliner on all of these things. Um, 
and that uh, you know, like Bolton's, you know, been ready to go to war with a lot of countries and always like having hardline stances on this. But to then be Bolton and watch Trump literally give away all of our leverage for nothing, <laughs> that must have been a little soul crushing for him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny, too, when you think about this issue, too, because um, North Korea is like the one country where like America's ag past agreement power has no sway because, A, they were never really in on the uh, non-proliferation bit. Um, they were trying to make nuclear weapons for years. When they finally got them, they've been trying to work on better and better missiles so that they can conceivably hit Japan, South Korea, and even hopefully in the future, the West coast of america they're also working on potential submarine delivery systems i believe i've read before um and um uh so like it's interesting to compare that to iran right trump said the iran deal was a terrible deal he ripped it up shortly after becoming president he said it was the worst deal in the history of the country but it was such a good deal that even though we ripped it up like for the most part, and this is something that the, the Eurasia group think tank has kind of remarked on, is that even though we ripped up the deal, Iran is still sticking to the agreements, especially in relation to uh, Europe and Russia and China. So like talk about the staying power of an American agreement, even though we left it. Other countries are still doing <laughs> right. it. You can't say the same thing for North Korea, right? There's There was no deal. Trump came back and said we fell in love and he said he's going to stop making missiles. They basically um, stopped doing, you know, missile tests for a couple months because, like, some reporters, you know, some reports indicated that they might have accidentally blown up part of their base where they were doing the testing. So, like, the months of respite from testing missiles was simply because they had to, like, rebuild part of the base. I mean, the details are sketchy because it's North Korea and, you know, who the fuck knows what comes out of there news-wise, whether it's, like, 100% true or not, but... Um, like, what does that say about Trump's deal making? He didn't even, you know, he said he fell in love. And then like a couple months later, they completely renege on any of their agreements they made with Trump personally face to face. Right. <laughs> and you get into the North, the, uh, the Iran deal. Like, it's so dumb, right? Because Trump's reason for tearing it up was that it's terrible and should be renegotiated. And he's a deal maker who can make it so much better. But where's the deal? No deal has happened, right? And it's his well, deal-making yeah. that it's just terrible. Like, <laughs> what literally, does that say about nothing his... happened. Yeah, and what does that say about his deal-making, that he ripped up the deal for being bad, but the other side is still mostly following it? <laughs> and How bad too, could it have it's been? It's dumb, too, because Trump was only saying he was t tearing it up, right? Because the big talking point was that Iran is not following it anyway, which wasn't really true. And so yeah. now America ripped up the deal, so Iran doesn't have to follow it at all, right? We left the deal, right? So Iran, you know, his whole idea was Iran's not following it. Let's tear up the deal. So then Iran would be, you know, perfectly uh, capable and perfectly in the clear to more, you know, morally clear to just do whatever they want anyway. Well, yeah, that's a funny thing. Another deal that happened too, besides the Iran deal, is like the uh, Paris Peace uh, Agreement, right? We Obama helped set that up virtually. So the climate every... peace accord, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the climate yeah. Uh, Paris. Uh, what did I say? You just said the peace deal or whatever. Oh yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, the climate accords is that Obama helped set it up. We got virtually every country to agree to it, including China, which was like the big important one to agree to. And Syria. That always cracks yeah. me up. War-torn, civil, to uh, civil war-ravaged Syria. 
But it's funny, too, because Trump said also about that um, agreement that it was terrible for America. It was the worst deal ever. Obama's an idiot for doing it. America needs to leave it. But so America leaves and virtually every other country on Earth is still in it. So how bad could it be? Right. Right. (laughs) And if he's such a good deal maker, he hasn't made any new deals trying to address this problem. But, you know, the Republican Party has kind of gone off the deep end on uh, the whole, you know, science of climate change issue. Um, yeah. So, you know, if he's so worried about the farmers and his reelection, he's probably not going to, you know, do that to his own party and, right. and, and risk those, you know, voters. So that's the end of the list of the seven stunning details from John Bolton's book. But real quick, before we finish, I want to kind of uh, ask you an open-ended question. Like, what do you think we should do or like, you know, Americans in general, but Democrats specifically, right? What should uh, America do in response to all of these Republicans who were so quiet about everything Trump did, right? Like all, like what happens when Trump's gone and Republicans get right back to their normal talking points pre-Trump of free trade, um, you know, like you know, anti-spending on like socialist ba- bailouts, you know, like Trump did with the farmers. Um, like what happens when Republicans just pretend Trump never happened? Well, I mean, what do you think it, Democrats should do? It really depends, right? I think. Um, there's a good chance that when Trump, you know, if he gets kicked out this election or um, whatever, uh, if he leaves office in 2021, then, you know, I think he's got the entire Republican Party in the palm of his hand. I think what are Republicans going to like, what are the, the diehard uh, Republican conservative ideology guys who've been there since the 80s or 90s or, you know, the George W. Bush administration, what can they do when every single one of their voters is going to just vote for whoever, you know, ex-President Trump recommends? And what happens when Trump starts his own conservative-leaning Republican uh, media company and all you see is Trump and his (laughs) people, like, going on TV, ridiculing the Republican? Like, I think we're going to have a serious issue where... A lot of the intelligent people in the Republican Party who believe in government, even if they don't agree with Democrats, you know, the people who agree that government should do something and can make people's lives better, they're probably just going to end up voting for Democrats and not have a party. Uh, I think it would be a good kind of goal for the Democrats to go a little a uh, little more centrist and then make an all-encompassing, you know, big tent, which is essentially anyone who doesn't like Trump, because I well, think- how do you- how, how, what would you do? Because that's essentially what like Bill Clinton did, right? When Republicans uh-huh. won three elections in a row and then Bill Clinton went moderate. And now like today you get all the liberals that think Bill Clinton's a you know neoliberal shill piece of trash who everything he ever did should be like destroyed because he was just moderate and not perfectly liberal, you know? Like getting well, we'll elected to... might be an offense to all the future liberals, you know? Like, I mean, me, we'll like Joe Biden it. getting elected, that's a unconscionable mistake and like sacrifice of your soul and uh you know liberal purity i mean we'll have to see how big the election goes right so if donald trump somehow gets like let's say he gets 46 percent of the vote again well then we have a huge problem right which is you know not to say we have such a big problem if he only gets 41 percent or 40 percent or whatever you know uh we'll see what usually every election it gets closer at the end so that like you know you know, they do have re-election campaign. They have, you know, actual political operations trying to get more voters. So, I mean, if Trump loses bad, right, we have far less of a problem. 
because then a lot of Republicans will realize that like Trump is not a horse you can bet on anymore and it's actually detrimental to the entire party. But if Trump barely loses and almost wins and cranks out, uh, you know, comes close to re-election, then we have a huge problem when the Republican Party is literally Trump's. Um, and, and, and that's a scary thought, right? So how you approach this problem really yeah, depends I mean, on... Like, I, I agree with... I agree kind like mostly I guess with what you're saying but on the other hand you know you know when Bush's approval rating like nationally with the whole country was like you know had that bottom of like 27% who would support George W Bush no matter what um, you know they turned on Trump just immediately or turned on Bush immediately when Trump started bashing him and saying I you know I was against the Iraq war like do you think a lot of these conservatives <laughs> would just flip on a dime well, presumably for a lot of Presumably, quite a few of diehard George W. Bush uh, voters have died since 2000. Right? I guess, but it's I mean, like, 20 just years. in 2012, right? The same people yeah. who loved Trump loved Mitt Romney and thought he was the best. Now, you mean you loved know, for... Bush? No, Romney. When Romney was running uh, in 2012, right? He was the standard bearer. Everyone thought he'd be the greatest president yeah. ever. Then, Bush, or then uh, uh, Trump. Four years later, starts you know calling Mitt Romney an idiot. Now they you know just those those three years of electioneering, getting up to the nomination of Romney, you know, just goes right out the window. If Tom well, Cotton funny. gets elected and starts saying shit, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't you think he'll just be the new Messiah for him? Well, it's funny because like Mitt Romney barely even won the primary. Right, there were almost every other person who ran against him had their 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 time to shine during the primary, yeah, where true. it was conceivable. I mean, even like. With uh, Rick Santorum almost winning some of those early primaries, like Mitt Romney barely won in a way that, you know, Trump, you know, after the first couple primaries, essentially had it in the bag. The only question really was if they could deny him the majority where they didn't have to go to the convention to decide the winner. And, he, he, you know, he passed that hurdle, you know, quite a bit before the convention anyway, so it didn't matter. But, I mean, Mitt Romney... Uh, like, you know, multiple times. Uh, there were there was a time before the 2012 election and before the, the campaign really started getting underway for the primaries that Sarah Palin was like number one or two or three among most, you know, would-be Republican primary voters. And that's a scary thought too, right? So is Trump any different yeah. than then? That the amount of people who love Sarah Palin in 20, you know, 2010, 2011... I mean, Trump's just the manifestation of them as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier about, like, Trump starting his own cable news network. Like, wouldn't that be, like, kind of a Faustian bargain of stealing your soul if someone came to you and like, hey, how about Fox News ends? And you're like, okay, accept the deal. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. But yeah, Fox News ends and loses all their money because Trump makes a Trump news network that takes all of uh all of Fox's voters and money and advertising, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it's weird, too, because, I mean, think of how lucky Trump was in the first place with all the free press. And, and you could go back to even before the 2016 election cycle, right? Like, the fact that, that during Obama's administration in 2011, Trump was getting free press to just talk about uh, Obama's birth certificate not being real, right? Like legitimate press, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, they were literally giving Trump free airtime to just tell lies. And the only reason it made sense was because Obama hadn't actually released his long form birth certificate yet. But I mean, it was just a lie to begin with. Everyone knew it, but they gave free time to Donald Trump. And like, would Donald Trump have been like in the spotlight enough? 
2014 to potentially even run if he hadn't, you know, been able, enabled, I should say, to lead that charge against Obama being, you know, a fake American. I mean, it's so weird. What's going to happen when Trump has his own network and, you know, tens of millions of viewers who, like, actually, like, watch him and listen to him speak every day in his media? I mean, it's yeah, just going to be full I think, of trash. I think the bigger... I think Trump the bigger can't. threat, though, is less cable news because cable news is kind of dying and the old people who watch it all day are dying, too. But I think the bigger threat is actually social media where you, you know, like you have these logarithms that just show you what you want to know. So, I mean, really, Trump would be better off just, you know, having some smart young person start a website for him and just like, you know, writing down transcripts of everything Trump says is delusional and just putting it in a news articles. And then letting like Facebook's logarithms just show nothing but like, you know, Trump.com or something, uh, you know, like dumb stories and QAnon stuff about how even after Trump lost, like Trump's still in the background making sure um, that, you know, the pedophile ring gets brought down, you know, like what well, the funny that's thing is like, threat. here's something no one I've not, I've never really heard anyone talk about or discuss is if. If Trump loses, he's going to have nothing to do all day except tweet a hundred times that Joe Biden's a failure. You know what I mean? Like, I right. wonder how that's going to be. What? Like, could yeah, you remember see- when Republicans instantly started talking shit about Obama because he came out and said, uh, you know, something vaguely negative about Trump and Mitch McConnell starts clutching his pearls about precedent. What is mm-hmm. Trump going to do the second Joe Biden takes office? Trump is going to have tweets like hourly about how dumb and wrong everything Biden's doing is and what a joke it is and America's losing because of him. He's going to say it's a disgrace. Every That's his yeah. favorite word to say something. And then all the disgrace. Republicans were clutching their pearls when Obama said something. Well, I didn't I, I didn't see the, uh, the president's tweets and uh, yeah. you know, I don't I don't, you know, I don't I don't pay attention to that stuff, you know. In my best Mitch McConnell voice. <laughs> well, it's funny because like Republicans don't even pretend to care, like don't even pretend to like try to be rational politicians and say anything against Trump. They just say, "I didn't see that. I didn't read that. I didn't hear it. I didn't watch yeah. it." Yeah. Like, I mean, they know. I mean, they can't even defend Trump, and they're not even going to try anymore. So, I mean, we'll see. What would be really fascinating is like <laughs> when Trump's like seventy nine years old. Is he going to run again after Biden's first term? <laughs> Is he going to be so mad and the Republicans are, please run again, please run? Because his ego is so, so crazy, right? He could probably be convinced to run again, which would be funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we can hope he's in jail. That The second he's out of office, you know, New York and Florida hit him yeah. with all kinds well, of sex assault and hopefully. money and fraud crimes. Well, then we'll see what happens, too, when the Trump network goes all in on, you know, presidential candidate uh, Donald Trump Jr. in 2028, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've wondered about that. Do you think Ivanka or Donald Jr. will be charismatic enough to have an actual political following? Because Donald, Ju- Donald Jr. is so, I mean, he's so dumb. Like, I guess he's got the culture stuff. Like, he goes hunting and he knows what cultural buttons to push of old, scared white people and stuff. But I mean, like, he's dumb just, book he wrote about being triggered. <laughs> yeah, like, like he really is dumb. And I, I, I think Ivanka would have a better chance of having a political career. But then, you know, she kind of has to run against the natural sexist biases of conservatives, you know? That and might be a little right, bit of an yeah. uphill battle. Because <laughs> um, even there's, you know, people like her friends and stuff claim like the voice she speaks in is completely fake. 
and she just does that like kind of like raspy voice like in a uh, Jackie Kennedy kind of fashion. I don't know if it's true. I would not be surprised at all if it were, you know? Certainly, yeah. like, Ivanka's had this, like, weird duality where she's in the administration, but she claims she's, like, in the background fighting for women and for jobs and for things like that, you know? She is really kind of having trying to have it both ways of ne- none of the negativity, but all yeah. of these, like, positive things she's supposedly working for that, you know, clearly Trump has not made his, like, his own ambitions or goals. And, like, I don't, like, what accomplishment has she really had? Has she, like, softened Trump's baby cages and immigrant cages on the border? Have women been better off in the last four years thanks to Trump? You know, I don't, yeah. I can't really <laughs> say that I would believe that. Well, I mean, with the coronavirus and the uh, economic decline that we have with, you know, some people estimating an 8% negative GDP growth with uh, tens of millions of jobs lost, stock market, you know, going down, even though it's kind of come back up a little bit. But I don't think there's any American who's really better off than they were four years ago, except the uh, extreme rich, the ultra wealthy. Right. right. It is kind of funny, like in the way that, you know, Paul Ryan reportedly thought Trump was going to lose. And like on election night, he had a speech about how the Republican Party needs to change, that everything Trump ran on is not really going to get them voters and is not what America should be about. And then when Trump surprisingly won, he folded up that speech and gave a different speech, you know. Um, So, I mean, it really just depends. Like if Trump loses, everything goes out the window that we're saying, right, about what he's going to do. It's kind of like a like a brave new world kind of thing. Anything could happen. And then, of course, if Trump wins again, you know, you know, it, that cements a totally different reality and future, you know? Yeah. Uh, like everything well, in politics is so circumstantial, depending yeah. on like the short term game that gets you through the day or, uh, you know, helps you with, you know, with one the current news cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, here's to uh, hopefully finding out more next week when the book hopefully gets published and uh, with all the upcoming And all the books. other books coming out. Yeah. 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 Bob so. Woodward. <laughs> yeah. Is anyway, Donald thanks Trump's for... Niece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another Brain Milk. Uh, this one was a little more topical based on some breaking news. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check out the Halfway Posts. We're always publishing fun stuff there. Thanks for listening to Brain, uh, Brain Milk. I'm Daz McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Pogue. And enjoy this lovely guitar solo.